Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. Today is, what is today? It's Tuesday. It's October the 3rd. I see some of you in the chat are telling me that it is already getting cold where you are. We got a little bit of housekeeping we're going to cover. We're going to get into some, uh, probably some what you would call political third rails. The third rail is the one that is electrified if you've never lived in a, a city with a subway. And so touching the third rail is how you get yourself in hot water. So what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about black lesbians. Let's do that. We're going to talk about political violence. That sounds fun. Uh, we're going to talk about is Joe too old? We're going to talk about trannies coming for your kids. That's all good stuff. But as you probably see, we're also wearing Suspendables merch, which means we don't pull away. We don't pull punches. We just send it the way it needs to be done. And for those of you who are out there in the world thinking like, hey, uh, are you playing ads over yourself in the middle of these audio files? The answer is no. I didn't even know. I've had a couple of you guys reach out to me. I want you to know I've corrected the problem. There wasn't that much money involved. But the uh, the Apple, the uh, Spotify, the iHeartRadio crowd, the guys, all of you gals and gals that are listening to our audio show, just want to apologize that they were playing those. I had no idea that they were dropping in like gain and tide commercials for not enough money. If you want to know how much they pay us, they pay us $2 for every 1,000 of you that listen to it. Absolutely not worth our time here. So I've gotten rid of those. Hopefully you should not be hearing any more audio ads if you are listening to the podcast audio only. And uh, I appreciate you bringing it to my attention. Keep doing that. If there's problems. We want to correct them. We want to make them right for you. That's why we do the podcast. We do it for you. And uh, we certainly don't do it for gain or tide or whoever the heck else was paying you know, $2 at a time to bother you and put stuff over the top of our content. So that should be corrected and we will go forward without them. Uh, I want to say thanks to the sponsor of this episode, which you guys know. In fact, I pulled a bunch of stuff from today's loop. These are my friends over at Catholic Vote, catholicvote.org, America's top advocacy group for faith, family, and freedom. You can actually vote to, uh, you can actually, sorry, donate to Catholic Vote. If you want to help support our program, you can do that too. If you're a Catholic, if you're not a Catholic, if you're interested in pro-life issues, if you're interested in pro-family issues, um, we're going to show you what the loop has today because we actually pulled a bunch of the show right out of the loop. And I think you guys will appreciate that. Some really good information in there. Today's loop is fantastic. I'm not even going to spoil it because I'm going to cover a bunch of the stuff that's in there. Uh, there are some things that are just for Catholics. They do have some prayers in there. So that can't hurt you either. Honestly, we all pray to the same God, do we not? Isn't that the way that it's supposed to work? So without too much further ado, I want to start right off with talking about black lesbians. And we're going to just get deeper and deeper and see if we can get ourselves canceled today. Ryan, what do you think, Ryan? Should we get canceled today? Is that today a good day to get canceled? Put me in the game, coach. He said every day is a good day to die. That's what we mean, right? <laughs> All right, let's bring up topic number one. Let's get started. This is an article from the Daily Signal, and uh, I think you guys can appreciate because the question was, we, we, we brought this up the other day. Dianne Feinstein is dead. Long live Dianne Feinstein. Um, some people have been tweeting some pretty funny stuff. We actually have a funny review that is in the, uh, the hopper. Not for today, but one of you decided to tweet on behalf of of, uh, or rather, leave a review on behalf of DiFi's ghost. Thanks for that. I think that sounded like a Steve friend, just looking at the literary stylings. Uh, this is from Mary Margaret Olihan, who is a Catholic writer. She's an Irish lady, as you can probably tell by her name. And she wrote uh, the answer to the question that many of us have. And the question is, 
who in the world is LaFonza? Is that her name? LaFonza Butler. You're seeing her screen, her face on the screen right now. LaFonza Butler. My dad literally sent this to me over yesterday. He's like, he's like LaFonza Butler, LOL. And I was like, who is that? This is the pick that Gavin Newsom came up with to replace Dianne Feinstein, the uh, geriatric skeleton dressed up in falling off human skin that is no longer with us, who had a stroke and a face that was no longer on her face. So let's see. I'm just going to read some of this stuff because it's it's pretty it's pretty troubling how far left they want to tack. They want to go far. You'd think that Gavin Newsom, who we think is going to potentially replace Joe Biden, we're going to cover that a little bit later. You've got Gavin Newsom as a potential presidential candidate in 2024 for the Democrats. And so is he moving towards the middle? Is he trying to show some unity in this country? Or is he going for a LaFonza Butler? He chose a pro-abortion activist, Democrat strategy, and former labor union boss, a lesbian black woman, because those are the most important things. Don't worry about what MLK Jr. said. Folks, don't worry about the content of character. I want you to think about the color of skin and what people do with their junk in the dark with their partner in their rooms. That's the most important thing. What do you do with your genitals and who do you do it with and what color are those genitals? That sounds like a really good, really good uh, way to pick our leadership and the people that are out there. It's how they got Korean. Uh, what's her name? Kareem Jean-Pierre, Sideshow Bob, who's running the White House press office. So now we have this lady. And what did she used to do? She used to be the president of Emily's List, one of the top pro-abortion groups in the country that is literally formed. It's the list of politicians that they want to attack and the list of politicians that they want to promote that are pro-abortion. Now, I went and kind of dug on this lady for a little bit. I dug into the situation because I want to know what she's all about. I want to know who we're putting in the Senate. Like, obviously, Dianne Feinstein was no, she was no friend of freedom. She hated, quote unquote, assault weapons. Uh, she's been trying to get your your civil liberties banned since the 90s. She actually helped get through that uh, that uh, that original assault weapons ban. And this lady is just trying to kill babies. I guess that's good. The scary thing for me is, is that I, I don't know if they just don't have a mirror in the Democrat Party, if they're unable to look and say, we want to promote black voices. We want to promote these, uh, quote unquote, women of color, which, by the way, I despise. I absolutely despise that phrase. And that turn of phrase. And she wants to promote them by killing off an overwhelming number of black babies because they're pro-abortion. Now, they always guise it. Uh, they cover it up and they say it's about reproductive freedoms. That's the freedom to kill your baby. Can we just be real clear about that? And some of you who listen to me may not agree with my stance on abortion, and that's okay. It actually turned out that we used to have disagreements in this. But when you talk about whether or not a person is a person, like what else would that be? What else is going on there? I've got a five-week-old right now. So I've watched now for four times in a row my wife incubate and grow a little human life inside of her and bring them into the world, and I have conversations with those lives. There is no other possibility. You're not going to have a fish pop out. You're not going to have a puppy dog. It's not going to be a Doberman, even though my son is kind of dog-like and does weird things like pee on the floor. I'm talking about a person, and these people seem to be able to dress it up in fancy, fancy language. And they just run away from it. Really strange. Now, she's married to a labor boss who is one of the executives who supposedly has a, a net worth like upwards of two, three million dollars. So she's a wealthy black lesbian married to a lesbian labor organizer. I just don't know if you could get a better representative for the state of California than that, except the fact that she's not a Californian. She's not a Californian, folks. 
Does that, is that problematic? Is that even legal? Can you even go and say, hey, I would like someone to be my senator, but uh, they, they're not from my state. Let's go ahead and pull up topic two, Ryan, because that was really concerning to me. My question was, can you actually be a senator from a state that you're not from? And here's what the U.S. Constitution says. The constitutional qualifications set forth three qualifications for service in the United States Senate. You must be at least 30 years of age. This lady checks that box. She's in her early 40s. I think she's 44. You must be at least a U.S. citizen for nine years. That appears to be the case as well. And residency in the state that the senator represents at the time of election. Huh. What if you're not elected? What if you are, in fact, appointed by Gavin Newsom? Well, that's really weird because it leaves us in a question. I'm not confident that it is addressed. I read I read the uh, the Article 1 parts uh, of this particular qualification, and it doesn't make sense to me whether she is or is not allowed to be there. I assume that the minute that she assumes office or before she assumes office, she is going to, in fact, change her residency. She is currently a resident of Maryland because her spouse is a lobbyist and she lives outside of D.C. She is a swamp creature, a swamp creature that loves abortion. Hmm. Weird. But now she's going to take up residence in somewhere in, in California in order to represent the state of California as a non-Californian who's not from California, who wasn't born in California. Californians, if you're still living in California, and I uh, have the sort of auspicious origins of being born in the Bay Area, that's where my, my family was when I was born. Why are you still there? What are you doing in California? You're outnumbered. Even though there are more, there are far more Republicans in California than there are in almost every other state. You're never going to win. You're going to have representatives like Kevin McCarthy go out there and represent you. You're going to have the swamp represent you. Do you want that? Is that what you're about? I don't know. Add your vote somewhere red. It's tough. You know, nobody guarantees that you're going to have freedom. Think about the people that came in here from Ellis Island years ago. All right. And, and I want you to consider, and thank you to Excalibur, who's throwing this up there. Thanks to Eric Jason, who's throwing up these uh, Rumble rants here. I saw Rumble Rick do the same thing. Thank you guys for doing those. Uh, smash the like button, as, as they said. Do not comply with all these things that are coming down the line. And uh, we appreciate your, your praise for the show. Are you being represented if you live in the state of California? Is that, is that a thing? Is there any chance that you have a representative that is doing the job that you want them to do? Are they voting for policies that you like? Is the state using your money in a way that you agree with? Because if not, you're paying for your own tyranny. I, like, I say that as someone who lived in California. L let me tell you my life path a little bit because I think, it's, I think it's worth, when I say these things, I'm not just like talking out of school or saying, you should go do this thing. Let me tell you how easy my life has been. I think I have lived in, I don't know, 30 houses or something. When I was a kid, we lived in the, the Bay Area. My dad got another job. We moved down to the Los Angeles area. We were out in Ventura. Then we moved to Texas. I did that at a very young age, like third grade. We moved back. We lived in San Diego for a couple of years in middle school. Then I came back. I went to high school in Dallas. I've been to Texas seven times, guys. So this, this Liberty Hill thing is like round seven for Kyle Serafin living in Texas. Okay. After that, uh, I went to college up in Oklahoma. I came back to Texas, did that again. Then I moved to the Bay Area because you're young and you think, man, California, that's where the it's where it's at. It's not where it's at. I ended up moving to Austin. I lived in Texas again. Then I took a job up in Kansas City and I moved up there. Then I moved back to California and I tried out San Diego. That didn't work. I was homeless. I was starving. I moved up to LA, which nobody wants to do. I took a job at a movie studio. I did that. I enlisted in the military. I ended up back in Texas. I was stationed in San Antonio. I did that for a little while. I ended up being stationed in New Mexico, which is wonderful, but also the land of entrapment, for those of you who know. And they're out there attacking these uh, Second Amendment rights. Came back to Texas after I left the military, got married. We moved to Virginia so we could live in the swamp. That's pretty awful. We did that for five years outside of D.C. 
And then we took a job in New Mexico. I've lived in Arizona. I'm back here in Texas. Let me just tell you, I know what a pain in the ass it is to move. I absolutely do. And I have less jobs. I left my job at the FBI simply because it was the right thing to do. And that's what happens. It's tough. But you might want to find a place where you are going to be living safely. And I'm saying that knowing exactly what I'm telling you. Uh, Dan Bongino has said the same things. If you can't move, I guess, tuck down, get to know your neighbors and and hold on tight. In, in the airborne world, as you jump out of a plane, they tell you to hold what you got at a certain point. You may be in the hold what you got phase if that's the only option. But damn it, if you can move, you better think about it because they are absolutely running full and roughshod over any possibility of trying to find middle ground for you. The Democrat Party loves governing when they have the ability to do so. They love giving it to you good and hard and you are going to get what you're paying for it. You're paying for this lady. You're paying for LaFonza Butler, a pro-death, pro-baby-killing Democrat strategist, right? So we're going to play a little video. I actually thought this was a joke. I, I started digging into her Twitter timeline because I'm like, who the hell is this lady? What is she all about? I, and I've tweeted a couple things about her. Um, she doesn't seem to respond. That's probably smart for her because I don't want to have to own her. But let's just talk about it. She thinks she's off limits because she's a black lesbian. That sort of is the way that they do it. You can't talk about them bad because of these things that are sort of political third rails. I think we are starting to break some of that down. Towards the end of the show, I'm going to show you why. But um, let's just play this video, number one. Um, this is one of the most racist videos. First of all, the lady uh, who, who's doing it from MSNBC, her name is uh, Molly, Molly Zhang Fast. I didn't realize she's a real person. I thought she was like a cartoon character. But Ryan, if you play video one, we'll get a taste of it. I thought this was a joke. I really did. And then I was like, okay, we got to play it on the show. You guys got to hear this stuff. This is what you're missing out if you're not following some of these kooky people uh, on their social media profile in their own words. Go ahead and roll video one. About the um, uh, the uh, African-American AP courses, she was there also before about abortion. I mean, she has been quick to jump on a plane and give a very passionate and very good speech. And I think she's been amazing. And I think that the reason that she has had such a tough time is because there is so much racism and so much sexism, and it's so pervasive, and it's so baked in to our mainstream media and to our society as a whole that she cannot get a fair shake. And I really think that you see, even in the framing, even when people think they are giving her the benefit of that out, they are not. And you see this, and you see this is a problem that a lot of women and a lot of women of color who are in politics have, and it's incredibly unfair, and it's what keeps a lot of women from running, and it's just, a tra it's like one of the great tragedies of our modern, modern time. Well, Molly, let's talk a little bit. Oh, boy. Can you play that without any sound, Ryan? Because I just want to talk over that lady's face, and I just want to let people know. Uh, I've been asked to stop in the chat, stop playing these people. We got to know. First of all, that person she's talking about is Kamala Harris. So if you're not watching on our Rumble channel, what you're missing is Kamala Harris standing out in the wind doing weird hand gestures like she's tossing some salad. Like I think she has some like romaine lettuce that she's kind of moving. And this woman, Molly Jong-Fast, who is a theoretically a reporter, she's sitting in her room. You can see her bed in the background. Now, my wife told me in Initially, because I wanted to do, you know, some of you who've been to the podcast from the beginning, you know that we were doing it out of an RV for a while. And I was going to set it up. And for a little bit of depth, I was going to leave the the uh, the bed in the RV because, like, why would you destroy the bed? Uh, and my wife is like, no, you cannot show a bed on video when you're talking unless you're trying to, like, promote your OnlyFans. So I don't know if Molly has, like, an OnlyFans thing where she performs on that bed with that camera shot and, and other angles. But it's a plain white room. She has red 
50% of the bottom part of her hair. The top is like blonde streaks. It looks insane. She's like one of those um, one of those frogs in the Amazon that lets you know, like, hey, I'm a crazy thing. She's wearing green, thick-rimmed glasses and red, whorish lipstick that doesn't jive with her face because she's very pale skin because she's like has fair skin. This lady is a crazy person. And they trotted her out like she's an authority. And she's talking about racism that she doesn't experience because she's a weird white lady. She's a weird white person. And she's talking about Kamala Harris. The reason Kamala Harris can't get a fair shake, she said, is because of racism and sexism and misogyny and meanness and all the things are so bad in America. Well, you know what? Really? Are they that bad? She's the freaking vice president and she couldn't win a single vote. She couldn't get any votes for president. She got assumed into office simply because of the color of her skin. It's literally the opposite. It's literally the opposite. Okay? It's the opposite of what Martin Luther King Jr. was talking about. He said, let people be judged for the content of her character. The content of her character is terrible. Every time we show her, you cringe. She's the weirdest, most uncomfortable, socially awkward fraud. And the people that talk about her that are fawning are making it up. There is no chance that they look at Kamala Harris objectively and go, She's confident, articulate, and says things that make sense to me. She says the same thing over and over again, and she says it badly. She even uses the same uh, facial and, and uh, facial expressions and hand gestures. There's this really, really weird thing where she talks about, we must not let like what has been you know, decide, decide what has happened or whatever. She says it over and over again. It's on this uh, Republican research channel. We may play that for you tomorrow just so you can cringe again. She says it about 100 times in a row, regardless of the audience. It doesn't even have to make sense. And you've all heard the word salad she does. Why in the world are these women being trotted out like they're useful? And in the same thing with this LaFranza Butler, she's never run for office. She's appointed to the Senate. She's appointed to the top thing, having never won a single election. And she's now going to represent like what? One of the top two most populous states in the country. Is California the most populous state? It used to be. I know they've lost some. It's insane to me that you're going to tell me that that woman has no fair shake because of her skin color and what she does in her bedroom and the fact that she's a female. She just got moved into the Senate out of nowhere. Imagine any of you getting appointed to a job that makes $175,000 a year with basically no background in it other than the fact that your genitals and your uh, and your skin color match up with the preferred of your party, which is crazy. It's a crazy place. Uh, the upside is it kind of lets us know what's going on with them. It tells us where we're moving. If you'll pull up uh, topic three, because this is the, the group that she's she was the president of, and I assume she has to step down, but what the hell do I know? It's a uh, It's a group called On Notice. I'm sorry. It's a group called Emily's List. This is their on-notice incumbent candidates. So this literally says here on the uh, the little subtitles, it says women are fed up with so-called representatives who prefer playing politics to protecting our rights. What are those rights, ladies and gentlemen? Those rights are the right to kill babies. This is what she's about. I just want people that just want to put it all on the line for baby death. It's wild. And so who have they called out that is on notice? These are seats they think they can win. Anthony Diaspaso. Um, I don't know what his name is. Sorry, he's from New York. Not my representative. Ashley Hinson, Brandon Williams, uh, Brian Fitzpatrick, a couple of others, David Schweikert in Arizona. You got George Santos, who I was talking to last night on Twitter space. Uh, if you guys don't follow us on Twitter, there actually was a really, really good thing. I'll probably play a couple clips out of it. We did this long thing. That's why I'm always up till midnight listening to these stupid Twitter spaces. But we had George Santos. How often do you get a chance to sit down with a, uh, a representative in Congress and just kind of bust their balls a bit? And uh, I told George Santos, who believes, and we're going to talk about this in a second as well with Matt Gates. he believes that in 45 days, we talked about the continuing resolution funding government, uh, funding government rather, <laughs> he talked about how in 45 days that the Republicans, 
who have managed to pass basically one bill so far in this session. They're going to be putting forward 12 appropriation bills to individually fund parts of the government, and they're going to be successful in the next 45 days to be able to do something that they haven't been able to do in the last year. And I told him, I got a hundred bucks that says no. I said, I got a hundred dollars right here. I don't know if you can bet me or not, but if you'll want to bet me a hundred bucks, I'll take your money. There's no way that the Republicans do anything other than an ugly CR again, where they just kick the can down the road. And, uh, and he said he would try to, he would try to, he would try to take my bet. I think there's some health house ethics rules that forbid that sort of thing, but fun to be able to do that kind of stuff. Anyway, uh, George Santos is targeted for an openly gay, uh, Republican. He is, uh, decidedly pretty conservative in what he says. And yet I like George. I think he's a nice person. I think we would probably get along together in, in real life. I'm not sure that politically he is driving the stuff because he's in a, he's in a swing place and he wants to keep his job. Let me say this because this is why I won't run for office as far as I can imagine at this point in my life. If you go into that job, it's the same thing that I've said about the FBI director. If you're going to take a job where you are representing the public and you are not prepared to lose that job by doing the job correctly, if you're not going to stand by your principles and be ready to be marched out the door, and that means people in Congress, people in the Senate, the president, anybody, I don't care who you are. If you're being asked to do something or you're being told if you're Joe Biden because you don't actually run the office, if you're being told to do something that you don't agree with, that is immoral, unethical or illegal and you're down with it, you are the problem. If you are willing to lose your job and say, look, um, I'm not willing to do it at the cost of losing my integrity. Well, then you're suspendable and you probably don't have a paycheck and you probably used to work for the FBI like my buddy Garrett O'Boyle or Steve Friend, all these folks. You guys. The suspendables are literally the people that are saying it may not be politically expedient. It may not be nice. It may not be politically correct, but we're going to say it because it's true. That's what you guys are. So I've been flirting with the idea of naming this, this, uh, this podcast audience. I know that some people have named theirs. Like if you're, if you're in this audience, you're part of the watch list folks. Like you've been watched. <laughs> you're the problem for the government. You may be a suspendable. You may not have been put to the, the decision for your chips yet, but you are literally the people, the most, most feared by the, the federal government, because you're saying, I'm going to go watch a guy who was in the FBI, who's probably being watched by the FBI. And then they probably want to watch us. So anyhow, welcome to the watch list. And for those of us that are knowing, uh, you know, that, that we've got FBI agents out there, we appreciate you guys doing so. Uh, get ready to hold the line, folks. I don't know what they haven't asked you to do yet, but the, when it comes up, it's coming and they're coming for you. So uh, that's it. At one point in time, do you think, uh, Ryan, that they open up a squad at the uh, at the headquarters unit the, at, in the, the Hoover building in D.C. that just like literally looks for FBI agents that listen to the Kyle Serafin show? You think that's likely? Well, not too long. <laughs> yeah, it might already be open. 50-50. It might already be open. Let's just be real. I think that's the possibility of it. So let's talk about people that are holding the line. Uh, let's talk about uh, what needs to be done. This is kind of the the, the crux of the issue for today's show, the, the time capsule that I want to get into, and it's pretty strange. But uh, first, let me just say, let's let's acknowledge that we're wearing some of Garrett O'Boyle's merch. He's been doing a great job. I think he's actually in the live chat at the moment right now. Uh, let's pull this thing up full screen if you would. Folks, you can visit the-suspendables.com, the-suspendables.com. This is our advertisement for our friend, Garrett O'Boyle. Check out, look at that. We've added some items. You got the uh, the shirts, the hashtag shirt, are you suspendable? You've got the suspendable PT shirt. He's just added a couple of new items that are pretty fun. If you guys have never worn Ranger panties, you owe it to yourself. If you're a man and you've never worn Ranger panties, um, what are you doing with your life? Get you some silkies, 
as the Marines call them, some Ranger panties as the Army call them, Sophies as the Air Force calls them. I don't know what the Coast Guard calls them because the Coast Guard is uh, out on boats in the puddles. Get yourself some Ranger panties and do some PT in that. Feel uh, two layers of mesh between you and the universe. There is nothing more freeing than that. I'm just telling you. I wear them literally every day since June of, two, what is it, July or August of 2009. I am every single day in a set of Ranger panties. That's where I wear under my clothes. That may be too much information for you, but it is the amount of information that I am providing. You can check out the hats. They've got them in multicam. He's got them in um, in uh, black multicam, which is my jam. If you want to move around in the darkness, which I'm always waiting to do, check those out. They've got the Suspendables flag, which is a duress American flag. Very cool. The Suspendables pin, you guys have seen that a couple times. And of course, the Zelinsky special, which I am wearing right now. This is the Z special. This lets you know that you can go and ask for money from Congress. I don't know when I'm going to be asked. I don't know when they're going to tap me, but this will be underneath my suit. I can open it up like Superman and uh, say, hey, send it along. We're looking for some appropriations bill. Can you appropriate a little bit of money? Maybe like, I don't know, $150 billion for some cause that you don't believe in? That would be fine. All right, let's talk about Matt Gates. All right, so Matt Gates did a motion to oust the speaker. He went after Kevin McCarthy. He's been called out on one side for doing the wrong thing. Like and when everybody is rallying around you, you're probably doing the right thing. If the mainstream media thinks that you're bad because they like Kevin McCarthy and people in your party say that you are betraying things because they like Kevin McCarthy. When the uniparty has lined up directly behind the speaker of the house, who is a guy, I did some um, reading on Kevin McCarthy. Many of you guys may not know this, I'm sure he's a nice, nice man in real life, and I'm sure he's a wonderful human being, and he just is always trying to do the right thing. The guy has not had a real job, and I say a real job, that means outside of politics. He hasn't had an actual job since 1986. He hasn't had a job since I was five years old. So just digest that for a second. I'm coming up on 42. He's got over 35 years of working in politics. And some people said that uh, the problem with the the Trump presidency in 20, 2016, when the Republicans took the House and the White House and the Senate, and they had all three branches of government, and or, well, they had two of the three branches, rather, the, all the policymaking decisions were all there. The problem was, is that Paul Ryan was just a rhino, and you know he was just one of these guys that just wouldn't get it done. And so it could have been Kevin McCarthy at that point in time, and he would have been bolder, and he would have been, you know what? Kevin McCarthy picked up the lesson, which is that if you play by the party rules, then you get to be in the party and you get to be the boss and you get to make the big decisions. That is the wrong lesson. Matt Gates is out there doing something that other people are not. Some people don't like him. That's fine. Matt Gates has been really good to my friends. I told his wife that. I told him that last night. He said a thank you to me on this Twitter space. So let's talk about what he's up to. What is he getting involved in? He's filed a motion to oust the speaker. This is Ryan Saavedra reporting over at Daily Wire. And, uh, and McCarthy, of course, they had this like, internet Twitter battle, which is also pretty pathetic, but it is the nature of the beast. So says the moves comes after Gates faced significant criticism in recent days of what many say is a personal vendetta against McCarthy over a house ethics investigation into him that started during the last Congress. He said, Mr. Speaker, pursuant to clauses two a one of rule nine, I give rise to notice of my intent to raise the question of privileges in the house, declaring that the office of the speaker of the house of representative to be vacant. Resolved that the office of the Speaker of the House of Representatives is hereby declared to be vacant. So this is the motion to vacate, uh, requesting votes on this sort of thing. And he claims that McCarthy has not fulfilled his promises. And that seems true to those of us that are sitting out here in the cheap seats, looking in. Like, what has, what has McCarthy delivered on? He hasn't made the January 6th tapes available. That was part of it. He has not brought items forward in a single vote 
for single bill sort of um, situation. We were expecting to see individual approvals for the way the government is funded. That's not happening. So I think Matt Gates has done the thing that he said he was going to do. He's representing his people the way he's supposed to. This is not really political theater. This is simply stepping up into the void and doing the thing that he's supposed to do according to the way that he ran his campaign and what he said. It took, if you remember, it took 15 votes to get McCarthy in there. They were getting concessions, and I don't think McCarthy has kept his promises. I think he's right on. Now, McCarthy responded with uh, with a Twitter response, which is even more pathetic. I don't even know what's more pathetic, like the response or the fact that he did it on Twitter, but he wrote, bring it on. Uh, so they've been going back and forth. Uh, apparently it's already been brought in. So there's that, but I want to do something. I want to, I want to give you guys a, a time capsule. Okay. And this is why I think this is so scary. I've got this flagged. This is my copy of a book that's called term limits. I brought this up last night on a Twitter space. I brought it up. Uh, uh, it's the part of our thumbnail today as we brought, did the show. Okay. And I rarely will just read to you from a book of fiction, but this is, this is why this book was written in 1997 by a guy named Vince Flynn. He's like a thriller author in the, the beginning of it. He says, thank you to Robert Ludlum, who I grew up reading Robert Ludlum books. I actually used to consume so much fiction. I used to read for fun and pleasure. My mom, <laughs> my mother used to shut me down because I would read books. She would get me too quickly. Any of you have that problem? You would get books and you would consume them so quickly your parents would chastise you because you were reading them faster than they could buy them. That was my problem. <laughs> That's not a, like a normal thing, I guess, right? So I used to read books so quickly. I would just rip through these things. This thing is 500 pages. I'm 150 pages into it. I sat down. I've only sat down twice to, to look into it. And I don't nearly have as much time as I used to. This is like how I try to quiet my brain. And instead of quieting my brain, all it does is it makes me go, oh my God, this is where we're at. This is from page 73 of Term Limits. I had to flip back a little ways. I want you to read. So the premise of the book is this. There uh, are some special operators. I haven't gotten to what group or unit they're with. Here's the sad thing. Um, apparently, Vince Flynn doesn't know any special operators. He doesn't know anybody in the special operations community because he talks about them like a complete novice, like a neophyte who's never actually dealt with special forces, never dealt with Navy SEALs, never dealt with uh, recon, you know, reconnaissance units from the Marine Corps. You take it. Uh, he's never dealt with PJs or combat controllers or any of the other sort of like special operations forces that exist. But he's talking about them being killers and killing some politicians, which is definitely a third rail, political violence. We talked about it in the Twitter space last night as well. He's talking about that as a means of change, as a mechanism of change, and many people are sensing that this may be the only way that uh, our country gets back online, like actual violence and political violence at that. This is not something I'm advocating for. I am telling you that this is a weird snapshot. It's a time capsule written in the form of fiction because there was a hunger for a correction. The book was written in 1997. Okay. It was written in 1997 about some special operations guys going and taking out politicians and holding the government quote unquote hostage in order to get the demands. I'm going to read you the demands letter almost totally. I think it's actually worth reading this. Okay. So it says, Senator, blah, 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 blah. They were all killed as a warning to the president and the remaining members of the House and the Senate. Your days of deficit spending and partisan politics are over. This is a quote from the, from the ransom letter from the killers in this fiction. Okay, once again, we're reading a work of fiction. During the last 25 years, again, written in 1997, you have spent money that we don't have on federal programs we do not need. Every year, you have promised the American people that your number one priority is to cut spending and balance the budget. Despite these promises, the federal budget continues to grow. You've had the time and the opportunity to bring spending under control, and you have done nothing. You have shown your 
your own personal greed and the goals of your political parties are more important to you than the economic security and the future of America. Is any of this stuff hitting home, folks? This stuff scared, like it makes my skin tingle. This actually kept me up at night after I read it two days ago, and I've, I have not slept well since. It is a result of your selfish and incompetent leadership. We are now burdened with a national debt that is more than $5 trillion. This is 1997. The debt was $5 trillion, and that was considered outrageous. Do you know what the debt is right now, Ryan? The national debt? Yeah, $33 trillion. I can give you the exact minute. Just give me one second. Right. 30, $32 plus $33 trillion, people, okay, in the last 25 years. That's where we've gone. We have, it took, it took 200 plus years, like almost what, 220 years to get to the point where it was $5 trillion. And most of that stuff was done in the 20th century. In the 21st century, we've done that by 7X. I'm going to keep reading. A national debt that is growing at a rate of more than a billion dollars a day and, and projected to reach $10 billion by the end of the century per day. Sorry, $10 trillion by the end of the century. Obviously, we cleared that $10 trillion, no problem. If the national debt is not confronted. It will plunge our country into economic chaos. How many of you are feeling some of that economic chaos? There's the national debt right there. $33 trillion, $33.156 trillion, and it runs at that rate. Are you seeing how fast it's running up? In the last few seconds, it's gone up several hundred thousand dollars based on this clock. There's a couple of these debt clocks. We are talking about an incredible amount of money, over $100,000 per citizen, and many of our citizens are not taxpayers. It's a quarter of a million to each of you that are paying taxes, okay? I'm going to keep reading this thing because it scares the crap out of me. If the national debt is not confronted, it will plunge our country into economic chaos. The time to act is now. This is 25 years ago. We're directing the president to withdraw his budget. That's before the House and help with the Office of Management and budget and the general accounting office to construct a budget using a zero-based budgeting. This budget will contain no new taxes or raise taxes. It will cut all unneeded federal programs. It will introduce a means testing to control the growth of Social Security and Medicaid and Medicare and will adopt the military cuts as proposed by the Joint Chiefs of Staff without any political interference. And after this budget is passed, the president will submit a national crime bill that will focus on keeping violent criminals off the streets and in jail. The president, the House, and the Senate shall implement a 2% national sales tax that will be used solely for the reduction of the national debt. If you're incapable of restoring the limited form of government that the framers of our Constitution intended, quit and go home. We will be watching your actions closely. This is the only warning we will give. If you do not meet these demands, you will be killed. That is the book, Term Limits, okay? Is it a great book? No. Is it an interesting book? I think so. It is a time capsule for the sensation that Americans had Clearly, people on the political right. I want you to think about 1997 and where you were. I was a sophomore in high school in 97. And during that time, we were looking at, very recently, Ruby Ridge, the shooting of the Weaver family by the FBI, which was set up by a botched raid on the, by the ATF, the botched raid on the Branch Davidian compound, which was also tragic. Doesn't mean that David Koresh wasn't a crazy person. Doesn't mean that he wasn't a child molester. It means that there was a better way to solve that. But we were seeing an overreach because the things that they justified, I've actually read the uh, the affidavit for the, for the search warrant on the Branch Davidian compound. It is laughable that a judge signed it. It tells me that judges know nothing about guns. And apparently either the ATF knows nothing about guns or they have no problem lying to a federal judge. That happened a long time ago. That happened almost 30 years ago now. Well, over 30 years rather. Right. And my father had kind of a, a little taste of that action. He was involved in it in a very peripheral way. And so we've had a personal connection to that for a long time. In 1997, this letter 
in this book, this piece of fiction is talking about 25 years too far down the line on debt, on spending, on party politics, on dividing this nation and wasting our money and making us a national security threat. What happened during that time? Did we correct that? I want you to just think, we moved forward a couple of years. Now I'm a sophomore in college. It's 2001 in September and we have planes hit the two towers and our country had an opportunity and the Republicans that were in office, this was George W. Bush, they had an opportunity to bring this country back from the brink, did they not? Do you remember how pro-America it was? The songs that you're hearing President Trump play in all of his, his rallies, they were coming from that era, a time when we wanted to all unite, when we all wanted to see the good in America and what it had come from, go back to the roots and, and really pull us back from the sort of corruptocrat, plutocratic, you know, oligarchical things as uh, Victoria Sparks told us the other day. They wanted to come back from the brink and Republicans wasted it. And that's why I will take George Santos's money. That's why I could bet him $100 without blinking. I could bet him $1,000 and I would still take that money. In 45 days, they are not going to have single item budget issues. I know that. And you know that. Because 25 years ago, we knew that. They were ruling by crisis. They weren't getting their jobs done. And there was a sensation in this country that something had to happen. And what happened? We had 9-11. And instead of using the political capital that was available to pull this country back, make it more of a constitutional republic based on the founding principles that are in our constitution, we continued to put more pork. We continued to put more entitlements together. We continued to ignore immigration and the, and the invasion that's been happening for the last 25 years since that. We watched... The legacy of 9-11 was the growth of the deep state, the surveillance state, the police state, and the absolute failure of Republicans to do their damn job, 100%. And so where does it leave us? It leaves us in an incredibly scary place. I'm going to tell you about some political violence, and then I'm going to tell you about um, our movie that we've put together with Dinesh D'Souza that has moved that forward. Let's go ahead and pull up what number is this? Uh, topic number six, Ryan, if you pull up, this is coming from Fox News reporting. I heard about this last night. All right, so there you go. Three gunmen carjacked a congressman at gunpoint. Uh, obviously, they had, they had guns in his parking uh, in the parking lot of his uh, his uh, neighborhood. This is in the Navy Yard district of Washington D.C. This is in our nation's capital. A sitting congressman, Democrat by the way, named Henry Singular from Texas, was carjacked, had his car stolen by three men. I find it interesting. Nobody describes what the gunmen look like. I'm looking down here. There's no, there's no description of the gunman. I can tell you it's Washington, D.C. I'd put a $1,000 bet on that, too, that we're talking about black young men. That's who's robbing and stealing cars in Washington, D.C. It's overwhelming. I worked there for five years. I spent three years of it on surveillance on these streets. I have done surveillance in that neighborhood, usually on more like um, white-collar type stuff. It's a very nice neighborhood. Navy Yard is expensive, and it's nice. It is not where there's a lot of uh, bad things going on. And you've got a congressperson who lives there. George Santos told me he lives in the same neighborhood. And this comes on the heels of uh, a, a representative from Minnesota being attacked in her apartment building in Minneapolis. We saw some pictures of that. This is Angie Craig. There is a lot of political violence going on, but it's not because of politics. It's because there is violence, violence going on. And now the politicians are in the fray. They are actually experiencing it because it has spilled over into the nice neighborhoods. Like I said, we had an opportunity to correct this. Things could have been better. And what happened? 
They instead created the police state, and I would love to be able to play video number three. This is a long-form trailer, folks. I'm going to give it all three minutes because we want to make sure that you understand what this movie is and why it might be worth your time. I would not have been involved in this program or watching this movie if uh, if it wasn't telling a compelling story, and I think it does. So we're going to give uh, our friend Dinesh D'Souza three minutes for this movie trailer. Some of you guys have seen the teaser trailer, which is a little bit shorter. Here's the long-form version of it. I think it should pique your interest. You can get tickets while you're uh, watching this at Police State film.net. It will be in a private engagement on October 23rd and 25th. Let's go ahead and run that trailer video three. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. Chief Division Counsel and DOJ have approved a no-knock breach. We want the subject to be on display, doing the walk of shame, full visual impact. Any questions? Are we becoming a police state? Government told American citizens they couldn't go to church on Sunday. I've never seen anything like it. It may be the Russia other people grew up in, but not my America. FBI warrant, come to the door now! There's a heavy banging at my door. Open up! It's 15 marked units on my property. I got SWAT in the back of my house. It took a battering ram to my door. 6 a.m. I hear boom, boom, boom. And hear about six to eight military-style soldiers with the tallest one of them pointing an automatic rifle at my head. FBI, we have an arrest warrant! Shock you out of sleep, drag you out of your house half-clothed, refuse to give you a warrant, ransack your house. Now I'm facing 15 years in federal prison for doing nothing other than exercising my right to free speech. I have no reason to be attacked. I hope that you remember Matt's name and the role you played in killing him. How did we give the state this kind of power? 9-11 changed everything. We're going to expand the Bureau from law enforcement to domestic intelligence. Legal shackles are now off. It used to be Islamic terrorism. That threat has kind of dissipated. Our focus is shifting. They're moving to domestic extremists. Really paints anybody who's right of center. What we need is a person to look at. And then we go find out what crime you did. If you're a pro-life, pro-family Catholic, they define you as radical. The demand for domestic terrorism vastly outstrips the supply. When candidate Trump came down the escalators, the government had a meltdown. We are going to drain the swamp. We'll see about that. You take on the intelligence community. They have six ways from Sunday at getting back at you. The Patriot Act and FISA were used against Donald Trump. Google literally rewrote their news algorithm based upon what Trump was doing so that they could get this guy. You just take out the word Russiagate and you put in COVID origins. You take out COVID origins and you put in Hunter Biden's laptop. You take that out and you put in January 6th. It's the replicated play from the deep state and their partners in the media. They're not just deplatforming you. They are trying to throw people in prison. If they're coming for me, they're coming for you. Hands on your head! These are anti-government. We have freedom of religion and freedom of speech! Violent extremists, and they must be dealt with. We can do anything we want. Police State. Exclusively in theaters, October 23rd and 25th. Tickets sold only on policestatefilm.net. I'll tell you what, folks. If that doesn't make your skin crawl just a little bit then uh, you might want to check your pulse. It may not be working. 
this stuff is scary. This stuff is truly, truly scary. And, and the reason why it's scary for me is because I watched some of these tools. We know that uh, what you're going to see there is the way that FBI tactics are actually employed. The guns are carried the way they're supposed to. The doors are hit the way they're supposed to. The flow into the rooms are the way they're supposed to be done. You're going to get a pretty good look. You saw people like Mark Hout on there. You saw uh, Jet, uh, Julie Kelly. You saw sitting Congress people, right? Jim Jordans. You saw my buddy Cash Patel telling what he saw, the censorship that was being repeated over and over and over again. This is a, this is a, um, you know, a shampoo and rinse and repeat situation. All of these things are out there and it's happening. I mean, it's happening right now, whether you like it or not, it's, it's real. In the meantime, they want us focused on, on multiple things. They want us to have our attention divided. They want us to be paying attention to these uh, sort of culture war pieces. I do think that they're relevant. They're not relevant as much as watching our government come after us and do censorship of it. Uh, but there is something really scary about a weaponized judiciary. I want to bring up this story here. This is uh, something about a judge using pronouns in court. This is a story out of Michigan. This is Catholic Vote reporting on it. Uh, topic number seven, Ryan, if you would. And um, there it is. So we've got a Michigan judge who is, uh, <laughs> becomes the, the only state to mandate judges use preferred pronouns. This, this is something that was coming out there. They were talking about criminalizing. This is in your backyard, Ryan. Are, have you been following this story? No, man, I'm embarrassed that I live in this state. It, it's so crazy. So here it is. Well, I'm just going to read it out to you guys. It's so a recent ruling made Michigan the only state in the union to mandate that judges address attorneys, plaintiffs, and defendants in court by their preferred pronouns. They are putting this on, they're putting this on the judges because they are doing a culture capture. Once you've already captured the machine that's going to be able to take you in, then you go and you capture this culture piece. Politics may be uh, downstream of culture, but this some of this stuff is coming right back upstream into the culture, and there it is being injected into it. So uh, Reuters reported that the Michigan Supreme Court voted five to two. That is an overwhelming majority in a state that is pretty rural, like Michigan, other than Detroit. What are the big urban areas out there? You've got Detroit. What else is voting blue? Ryan? What's what are the Sorry, say that again? Yeah, what are the big urban areas in Michigan that? Uh, oh, that, there's only two. It's only Flint and Detroit were the only. I was only, yeah, I couldn't think of anything outside of Flint. Blue. And everybody else is They're in a rural green. area, right? Like the UP, like that's all pretty. That's pretty red as far as like the people are in rural. The entire areas. state is red. It's unbelievable that the majority of the physical area is being run by this. But it's the same sort of capture that happened in New York. And it happens in some of the other places like California. You'll watch that the majority of California by by territory is red, and yet you guys are outvoted, and you can't you can't outvote them at this point. So it says the new rule goes effect in 2024, allows attorneys to include their preferred forms of address or pronouns in the captions of court documents. The rule states that courts must use the individual's name, the designated salutation or personal pronoun or other respectful means that are not inconsistent with the individual's designated salutation or personal pronouns when addressing, referring to, or identifying the party or the attorney, either orally or in writing. You know what that's called? Jordan Peterson was this was the hill that Jordan Peterson was willing to die on. It's called compelled speech. It's called compelled speech. There's something different between being polite and then being compelled to recognize something that is non-reality. And when you get so far into the darkness that you are going to start compelling the judges in your state to do something, that is how you capture them ideologically. You get them to bend the knee. They did it in the FBI with us. They wanted everyone to take a COVID test every 72 hours. I said, absolutely not. That is a drop a knee and show that you are going to be subservient to an ideology that has all kinds of other insane thing going along with it. And so, you know, the question is, uh, are they coming for your kids? Of course they are. Let's uh, pull up a topic number eight right there. Uh, are they coming for your kids? Sure. There it is. 
Look, it's it's sad because it's a joke right now. I like to show you guys a couple of bit of memes because we might as well do a little bit of humor. If we can focus that, just there it is. So this is uh, the the classic meme with Drake. You guys have seen this, the uh, the the shove away, and the, and this is what I'm going to do. It says people might think we're unfairly coming for their kids. Let's go straight for their kids and throw them off the trail. We keep seeing it over and over again. It happens again. There's another meme that was uh, topic nine. I think we pulled up. It was just another one of these in this thread that I was looking at. Here it is. Uh, it says, "What did you learn in school today, Jane?" <laughs> and this is a kid pulling. Uh, change your gender from from his or her backpack. I can't even tell because they have this androgynous kid. It says, my teacher said it's none of your business. And my new name is Jake. So obviously like a female who's now changed the name. You know, we have radical gender ideology that's pushing in. Is some of it a distraction? Yes. But the reason is, is because leftism is a religion of converts. It's a religion that doesn't have its own children. They want to abort your babies. They want to take the black babies out. They want to take the young white babies out because they're inconvenient. And then they want your kids. Right. So there is something that has to be paid attention to in there. It's it's like it's an all fronts war. I said it last night to uh, to George Santos. I said it to Matt Gates as well in the space. I think uh, Rep. Bishop may have heard it. I always think that the Republican Party is the party of losing more slowly because they are fighting on all fronts. We are fighting as conservatives on all fronts. We are looking in all directions and saying it's coming for all directions. But when you're on the other side, that circular firing squad, the left doesn't care if they hit their own. They don't care if they take a shot and it actually goes across the field and hits somebody on the other side that's on their team because they are closing in on the position from all sides. That's what it looks like. Uh, pretty weird, pretty gross. Let's throw up this uh, this quick video. We have normalizing taking the kids. Uh, video number two, this is some weird stuff that came out of Libs at TikTok, but it's worth watching. It, it, like It's everywhere if you go out there and you play in social media, and I might as well share it with you guys. This is a, a dude named Alice. Uh, video two, you can just roll that. We'll just comment on it afterwards. Let's talk about parental rights for a second because it's become evident that it's being used currently in this fight against queer people and especially queer kids who need more protections than ever before. Like in Saskatchewan and in the U.S., parental rights are being used to thwart any rights of autonomy that the kid might have. And I'm sorry, but kids do have autonomy. We've already established this. For example, if a kid needs a blood transfusion and the parents don't want to, it's not the parents' right to refuse that blood transfusion for that kid because it is life-saving. In the same respect, if a kid only needs to like use a different name and pronoun in school, there might be a reason and a good reason they're not coming out at home and they need a safe place to be themselves. And so to hell, with this idea of parental rights when it comes to kids who have their own consent and then their own bodily autonomy and their own autonomy to their personhood that need to be protected. You know what kids don't have? They don't have bodily autonomy. They don't make sense. That's why they're kids. And to hell with parental rights. I just say this, I'll like, come and take them, man. Like that may be the new symbol, uh, the, the Gonzales 1835 battle flag. You guys have seen this. this is the the cannon with the star over it and underneath it. If you don't know the story behind the 1835 Gonzales battle flag, there was a cannon in a place called Gonzales, Texas, that had been lent to the Gonzalans by the Mexican army. And the reason why is because they were dangerous Indians running about and whatever marauders and so on. And so they wanted to keep their their little town safe. Gonzales is not a very big town, by the way. It's outside of San Antonio. It's not particularly nice. It's an oil town now. And so the Mexican army was like, hey, you guys are getting kind of uppity. You're getting kind of rowdy. We don't really like you having a cannon anymore. I think we're going to come and take it. You are probably siding with these Texas revolutionaries that are trying to launch into their own nation, which ended up becoming the Republic of Texas, which was bankrupt. And so what happens? So they go, uh, we're going to come get your cannon and uh, leave your cannon outside. Give it to us. And they flew that flag. It was a white flag with a cannon on it that had been drawn on with a star the Lone Star of Texas, and underneath it was written crudely, come and take it. 
I've got that flag in my garage. I think the new flag may look like a kid. It may be a kid in a bassinet. It may be a, a you know a little boy and a little girl holding hands that are wearing backpacks. Some little school age kids come take it. You know what, trainee weirdos, you want to come and uh, knock over parental rights? You're gonna have to come through parents like me. And uh, I've spent the last 20 years of my life training for violence. I promise you, you haven't. You've been concerned about what bathroom to use and getting fake boobs in, implanted. It'll be a fight and you won't like it, but this is once again, the argument for homeschooling, if you guys don't know it. Uh, if you like any of this content, by the way, give us a thumbs up there on Rumble. We can appreciate that. <laughs> I know you guys talk about it there. I'm just saying, if they're coming for your kids and you guys aren't willing to stand up and uh, go toe to toe with that sloppy, disgusting human being that thinks that they have a right, you heard the word queer over and over again. The word queer is that indicator as we, uh, if you haven't heard our, our episode with uh, Carlin uh, Boylinski, is that her name? Yeah, go go look at Carlin's uh, video that we did. And she talks about all the nature of what the word queer means. You can follow her on Twitter as well. Definitely worth your time. She sends me some hot takes and DMs that I, I get, and I, I think they're all valuable. It's worth knowing what these people mean when they use words that when I was a kid, if you use the word queer, it was a mean word for people who were gay or it was the name of the person that had the football in a game that we used to play in the 80s. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. If you had the football, you got smeared. That's what the queer was. And, and we had no idea that it had anything that was uh, mean or upsetting and it wasn't trying to be. It was like eight and nine and 10 year old kids that were out there throwing a football around because that's what we did. We went out and played outside and we hung out with each other. Um, the upside, and I always try to bring you guys something a little bit of upside, is that it's not all bad out there. Number one, they're getting re they're, they're ready to push Joe Biden out the door. So let's play a quick uh, little clip from Bill Maher, and then I'm going to play you guys some of the comedy. We we ended yesterday with uh, with a video of people marching on a trail. It was a bunch of black people that were impersonating white people, and I thought it was very charming and funny, kind of a heartwarming. We've got the opposite of that going on today. The uh, white people making fun of black people in a way that I think is funny. It's a third rail politics to touch things that may or may not be racism. It's actually it actually says something better about this country. So I do think it is on the ups, uh, upswing here. Let's play Bill Maher. He, he doesn't want to have Bill, uh, Joe Biden around anymore either. Let's go a good, play a minute or two of this, uh, Ryan. Video number four. One has to convince President Biden that if he runs again, he's going to turn the country back over to Trump and go. One clap. <laughs> and go down in history as Ruth Bader Biden. <laughs> the person who doesn't know when to quit and so does great damage to their party and their country. All of us who like Joe Biden have been struggling lately with the political situation in the Democratic Party. An incumbent we admire who acquitted himself well in a first term, but who even members of his own party don't want to see run for a second, despite a touching letter of recommendation from Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis. <laughs> I kid, they shouldn't have gotten shit for that. If you ask me, do I think Joe Biden can do the job of president? My answer is an unequivocal, yes, he can do the job. Do I love everything? No, but that's every president. But government work is done in small, quiet rooms like the Oval Office. And in that setting, Joe's compassion and centuries of experience <laughs> are pluses. And he's generally made good decisions that got us out of Afghanistan, handled Ukraine. And that's all I can take of that. Economy chugging finally got us rebuilding infrastructure. Yeah, really? He got us out of uh, he got us out of Afghanistan. He sacrificed 13 souls that had no reason to die there. Bill Maher, that's a hot take, my man. That is an ugly take for anybody who served, which you didn't because you're a leftist, like entitled East Coast, totally out of touch type. That's fine. 
He did mention that he has centuries of experience. That's the geriocracy that we always talk about here. Um, but if if they're ready to start making fun of him and start talking about how he's uh, he's Ruth Bader Biden or whatever, it's it's time they're going to be moving. And Gavin Newsom and this move towards the crazy is definitely coming in. Um, Borsenko was her last name. Thank you, Cindy, in the chat. I just saw that. I appreciate that. Look, it's um, they're coming. They're gonna they're gonna push harder. They're gonna get someone who really has no apologies about what he is. Joe Biden actually is just confused. He's acted like he was going to try to do something at least during the campaign. I don't think you'll even see that from a Michelle Obama, or from a Gavin Newsom, or God forbid, from a Kamala Harris, who is one of the dumbest people to be in that office. She just has no clue. But we are in danger of a group. There are two different types in the Democrat Party right now. We have the stupid smart people, as Dan Bongino always says. The stupid smart people are educated but foolish. They lack common sense. And then there's the smart stupid people. And the smart stupid people are not intelligent, but they are manipulative and they understand what sells and what moves. And that is people like the progressive end of the Democrat Party, like the squad. That's the Jamal Bowmans, regardless of his degrees. He's still... He's a uh, smart, stupid person, in no doubt. Anybody who's going to make the argument they didn't pull a fire extinguisher that they pulled and then say they pulled the fire extinguisher, but it wasn't what you thought it was, that is a that is a smart, stupid person. That is someone that is going to tie you up with you being too smart to deal with the, how dumb they are. AOC is another great example. As we know, Ayanna Presley, this whole group, the whole squad. And Gavin Newsom, maybe, he may be a little bit of both. He might be one of the smart, smart people, which makes him even more dangerous in a lot of ways because he doesn't care and he knows exactly where he can push the buttons and what has moved because he's been in California where everything he did got through and none of it slowed him down even a little bit because he's the governor of California. Worth noting. That said, it's not all bad. The best way to do it is with a little bit of levity, with a little bit of humor so we don't end up in a term limits, uh, people getting executed in the street scenario. And I think this is how we do it. We, we go back to what we did in the late 80s and the 90s. Some of you will remember these kind of jokes. This is the kind of jokes that we saw on on mainstream television, whether it was In Living Color, we were making fun of this stuff. It was the kind of things that we saw um, hanging with Mr. Cooper and all the different shows that basically said race is there. The Fresh Prince stuff was pretty good about it. Race is there. We can acknowledge it without being obsessed with it and we can make fun of it because it's not off limits because if it's off limits, then we can't, you taboo it and you make it a sacred thing. It's not sacred. It's just one of those things that we visually see as human beings. So this is a video that we're going to queue up. If you haven't seen, there's a memeing going on about how it's racist to make fun of a chirping smoke alarm. We'll talk about this in one second here. I'm going to flesh it out as we leave. Let's go ahead and rate, roll video five. I think this is really charming. It says white people chilling in their house, black people. That's the black. I don't know why, but I am offended. First off, that's hella ignorant and stereotypical. And this is what pisses me off about people. How are you going to stereotype a whole entire race? <laughs> okay, we're going to play that one more time. If you don't know, there is a stereotype that black people uh, do not change the the batteries in their fire alarms. It is not all black people, obviously. That's the whole point. That's what a stereotype is. However, I can tell you that almost every search warrant that I've done, and a lot of them are in black houses because they uh, don't have money and that's who gets targeted by law enforcement because that's who's breaking laws. It's not usually even the people that are breaking the laws. We do a lot of search warrants on like your mom's house because uh, you're a dirtbag and you're selling drugs and then you stash drugs at your mom's house one time. So we're there. We're in a lot of like bad neighborhoods with nice people. And I will say that they are legitimately like they are people who are caught up in something and they are on the periphery of the search warrant. And it happens and there's a lot of chirps. I think it says more about 
a little bit of ignorance. That's part of it. And it also says something about a socially desperate situation where you don't either have the money or the wherewithal because you're so busy trying to survive that the smoke detector chirp just blends into the background noise of things that are tough in your life. I actually think it says something about what's going on. But the fact that we have these people, if you don't see, if you're not watching the Rumble channel, what you're missing is there's a, a white kid with a beanie on and he's reading a book. It says chilling in his house. Okay, we're going to play it one more time in a second. He's chilling in his house. White people, they're just reading. And the black people are chilling in their house and the chirp goes off and they don't get affected by it. Think about when you hear a smoke detector and you go like, oh my God, that thing is beeping. I got to change the battery on it. You need some nine volts. We were talking about Britney Spears doing it the other day. It is people that have so much going on. It's not exclusively black people. I think it actually is people that have so much background noise that is about their survival that they can't even pay attention to things like a smoke alarm, which when I was a kid in school, like they would literally teach you, you have to change the smoke alarms every year, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes it's bad wiring because the houses are built badly. Sometimes it's because there's more important things going on than a potential fire. That's what is, it's not even enough to, to move the needle for you. So play this one more time. It's funny, it's charming. The reason why it's funny is because the, the three people you hear in comment afterwards, they're all black, they're making fun of it, and then they're like, they're pissed, they're fake outraged at the racism, and then they're looking around, and of course they have the chirp. So go ahead and play it one more time, Ryan. I don't know why, but I am offended. First off, that's hella ignorant and stereotypical. And this is what pisses me off about people. How are you gonna stereotype a whole entire race <laughs> Her look is priceless. She's the best actor in all of them. It's it's charming. It's charming because we can point out some silly things and we can all have fun with stuff that could otherwise be divisive. And that's what it is. It's the same thing we saw on the trail the other day, making fun of white people being extra friendly when they're out in nature because they're feeling nice. Look, we used to do this. There shouldn't be any off limits for humor. That's how you end up breaking down those barriers. I think it's super important. So we said it the other day. I'll say it again. Go meet your neighbors. I don't care what color skin they have. My last neighbors were from Kenya. They were wonderful people. They didn't look anything like me. We had the same values. My new neighbors, they're from uh, California, and they are also really wonderful people. They told me, listen, we're God-fearing people, and we're not going to groom your kids. You want to like let me know that you're on my team right away? You tell me you care about God, and you care about your kids. Right. Faith, family, freedom. These are the three big things. He told me he owns guns in the first conversation we had. We didn't even know each other's names. I saw him moving in with a with an archery target. And I'm like, these are my people. And I said, we're going to get along. And he just started laughing. We know who is in our tribe. Our tribe in America mostly cares about those three things. Faith, family, freedom. It's the reason why I love Catholic vote. It's the reason why I love you guys out there. And also, for God's sake, change the freaking batteries in your smoke detector. Don't burn alive, even though we have modern equipment that doesn't burn for the most part. And most EMS calls now, most fire department calls are about medicine. Change those. The chirp is annoying, but it's also funny. And so let's lighten up a little bit. And I hope you guys have a wonderful Tuesday. This has been the Kyle Serafin Show stream live from Liberty Hill, Texas, America. It still is America for now. And we do really appreciate it. Guys, as you share our show, you help us grow. We're closing in on the 1 million lifetime downloads on the audio. Like I said, I just able, disabled those stupid ads, so you shouldn't be hearing those. If you're listening to the audio, you can leave us a five-star review on Apple, and the link is in the description. You can do one just like this. This is from Pap121319. I don't know what those numbers are about. Friendly Friday. Steve was an ace in landing the show. Smooth run. Only problem is the picture prior to the show. I know it was taken at the hearing. I watched it. The problem is he doesn't look too friendly. Folks, 
Steve Friend is a very serious man. The fact that he lightens up and hangs out on our show is unique to our show in many ways. You won't see him break it down or cut it up or have a laugh. So he is a serious dude. If you meet him in, in, in public, he will have a serious face. That is an accurate representation of Steve Friend. Friendly Friday is actually just a play on a thing that's known as Federal Friday, when your federal employees that we're all paying for and Matt Gates wants to go ahead and uh, hold off on paying for a couple days, it's when they don't go to work. Federal Friday is when they shut it down after lunch. They go out and have a nice lunch and they don't come back. How many of you guys can take the Friday afternoon off? Probably not very many. It's a federal thing. Friendly Friday is a play on that. But we do love your reviews. Thanks. Leave one and we will read yours. That's how it goes. Follow Ryan Matta at Ryan Matta Media on Twitter, M-A-T-T-A. -T -T you can see him on LFA TV. He is on at 2 Eastern time. And uh, folks, don't forget to like this video wherever you're listening to it, wherever you're, you're uh, hearing it on social media. We put it out there. We're on Facebook. We're on YouTube. We're, we're where you are. We're on Twitter. But we live on Rumble at rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin in the live chat. Thanks for all of you who have joined us today. We look forward to seeing you tomorrow. And I think we're going to bring you a pretty interesting interview that you guys are going to enjoy as well. So we'll see you tomorrow. Have a lovely day, my friends. Thanks for listening to The Kyle Serafin Show, streamed live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter and True Social at Kyle Serafin.